This is Rewired Radio with Erica Spiegelman, addiction and wellness specialist, motivational speaker, and author, helping individuals, couples, and families regain a sense of control, leading to personal growth, wellness, and a more fulfilling life. Here's Erica Spiegelman. Welcome, everyone. Navigating the complex system of recovery resources can be totally overwhelming, especially when you don't have the luxury of time. My guest today, Chris Freeman, is with Sober Works, whose mission is to organize the best addiction recovery resources on the planet into one location. Chris and the Sober Works team focus on connecting people with, with other people and information that they need to fight addiction, sustain successful recovery, and basically help you with anything. Chris is here to talk to us today about the Sober Works story and discuss how connecting people with the right resources can really save lives. Chris, welcome to the show. So grateful to have you with me today. Hi, Erica. Good to be with you. Yeah. So, I mean, literally, I know, you know, I, I've talked to you before and I and I now I know the work that you do so well and you really are just so, you know, helpful and it, do so much in terms of um, getting people to the to the right places, um, because I think so many times people get deterred or people have a bad experience and they wind up, you know, throwing in the towel and, and with someone like you that's out there. Um, right. that will reassure them that they, you know, they do have their own path. So can you tell us a little bit right. about, yeah, yeah, tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah, the Silverworks was, it, came, it actually came to me in a dream. And Really? Um, what it, what it, it was is I was in a room, and, and in this room were thousands of, of monitor screens, and each screen had a, a person in it or a resource in it, and all I had to do was think about it, and there it was. Um, in, in the dream, it kind of, uh, I woke up that morning and I, I was living in a sober living home in 2009. And in this little house I moved into, uh, there was, a, they were all in their 20s. I was 50 years old, 2009, tell you how old I am. But <laughs> these, these kids, the young guys, the only time they would engage their recovery was when mm-hmm. they were at a, you know, at a meeting, a 12-step meeting. Um, not very often would you find these guys sitting around the, the house you know, talking about the program and talking about recovery and how great life is in recovery. You'd see them doing what normal kids would do in their normal life. And of course, not many of those kids succeeded in recovery. They, few of mm-hmm. them actually died uh, over the mm-hmm. course of a year. Yeah. And so I, I had been uh, in recovery. Uh, I had I just moved into this sober living house after being in a courtroom, Texas, on my fifth DWI charge. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was going to be sentenced as a habitual criminal. Yeah. And instead of giving me a 25-year prison term, the judge, prosecutor, decided they were going to give me another shot, and they gave me a three-year sober living term. Wow. That's and lucky. all of a sudden, I went from having no life, my life was over, um, to having a whole new life, a whole new set. You know, mm-hmm. I was giving, it's like transformation happened to me, and it was like, I did nothing to deserve it, Erica. I'm, I did everything to not deserve it. But here I was given this total grace, total mercy, and all of a sudden, kaboom, here I am. And then I had 31 years of experience in and out of the program since 1979 of struggles mm-hmm. and the things that I had done and some of the good things I had done and, and, and the information that I had gathered up about the program and the 12 steps, sober living, and all the other stuff. Right. Sober Living House, and I started to find a way to create something that would give these guys access to the recovery world on the internet because every mm-hmm. single one of these kids carried a phone around with them. Some of them carried <laughs> tablets around with them. 
iPad. Right. Right. And so instead of fighting them about, hey, man, put your phone away. Hey, man, don't do this. Don't do that. My sponsor told me to relate to them in terms that they would understand, to use their language. So I spent that first year in my recovery looking at the Internet, what was available out there. And I found thousands of people that were mm-hmm. out there living life in real in the real world with real recovery. And we, so we started to develop this, this idea that we could create something. Now, I some time ago, and tr- it was called Sober Command. And then from that, I met my business partner, Robert, um, Robert Apple is one of them, and Adam Mitchell. He is the brain behind and the architect mm-hmm. behind the Sober Works platform. And all three of us got together and we started to develop a platform, whereas we made available through here all the sober living homes we could find. We've got yeah. treatment centers, recovery coaches, addiction counselors, and therapists. We've got some treatment centers with us. But more mm-hmm. importantly, we have a lot of other organizations and people like yourself with us. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's an amazing thing. where A mom and dad sitting in their living room can come to SoberWorks and they can find recovery solutions without all the interference from the marketing mm-hmm. people and all mm-hmm. the other things that you find out there, you know, call right. centers and insurance verifiers. Because when I when I think about my life, when I made a decision to get help, the things that I did, anything that would interfere with me from the time I made that decision to the time I received that help would take me right back out. It's like the yeah. golden hour in a trauma unit, you know? Yeah. You've got to get that. Once he makes that decision, it's got to happen now. It can't wait a day. It right, can't wait right. two days. Right. And absolutely. many, many people. But people do don't receive, know that. People don't know yeah. that, though, too. Yeah. Yeah. Many people don't receive good, go, don't actually get because they just can't get it right away. Um, there's no solution right there immediately available for them. They have to go through this process. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, I can't go up against these big marketing companies and the big treatment organizations that utilize these great resources that they have. I can only come up from the very, you know, my mom told me there's two ways to skin a cat and one's from the head down, one's from the tail up. I'm coming from the tail up with this thing. And we started it with absolute zero. We started just with an idea. Myself and Adam were the two that actually build the site and design it, create all the content. We build the pages one by one. Um, we do it on an organic level to where we're actually contacting these people at the time. We're mm-hmm. not just putting a, a, a database that we get from the SAMHSA.gov website and uploading it into our website and calling it, telling people we have 30,000 listings on our site. We're not right, doing that. Right, right. Right. We're you're, almost, you're, you're hand selecting it. Yeah. Selecting the yeah. Process. It's almost like we select people on a kind of an intuitive sense that I have about when I talk to people, I can hear in their voice, if they're a recovery person or mm-hmm, if they're mm-hmm. in it for the money thing, you know, and, and right. I really don't care to get into that conversation about politics of addiction recovery no. and all the changes that need to be made. What I'm trying to do is feature and highlight the very best out here and let people know, Hey, we're having a great life in recovery. And so Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. You know? I'm so I'm so grateful that you you guys are out there. And I just wanted to spell it for people. We'll, we'll we're gonna all give the website at the end of our our conversation. But it's it's sober works with an X at the end. So if anyone's listening and looking it up right now, I just want to make sure that they they know it's s o b e r w o r x dot com. Right. So yeah. So Chris. So what you know what I what I really what I really do believe is that you know. When one person helps another, that person helps another, that person helps another, and the reach is endless, you know? And so for everybody that's out there that, that 
you know, wants to give somebody a chance to go to treatment or, or wants to have a difficult conversation. Um, I, I had a call with someone this morning who said, you know, I have my best friend, he's, he's not doing well, and, and I'm really right. scared to approach him. And so, you know, and I said, well, I, you know, obviously, I could fly in and help and, and, and kind of bridge that, um, whether you like the word intervention or not. I don't, it's not my favorite word, but just to have a, a powwow, a serious powwow and get this man to see that, you know, there is help out there. Um, I, I just, I, I just encourage everybody usually to, to, you know, go to trusted sites like yours, SoberWorks and people like myself where, you know, this is not, um, this is not something we take lightly and we really do put our whole hearts into it and trying to find the best fit for people. Because I think a lot of people are used to relapsing or used to, you know, thinking they want to go and then don't go. So, you know, it's just kind of getting them over that hurdle. Yeah, and you can fall into the the uh, the treatment merry-go-round. You yes, know, and, very easily. Back in the back do. in the eighties, you know, the uh, penny stockbrokers used to call them churn and burn. You know, and, and that's kind of like yeah. what's going on. And it really mm-hmm. is just because a lot of people are dropping out and actually dying from from being in the system. In mm-hmm. Kerrville, mm-hmm. Tech in Kerrville, Texas, where I, you know, my when I first got 2009, when I had my last drink and I got into this, over the course of the first four years, I met thousands of kids and young people that were in sober living homes around Kerrville. They're all coming mm-hmm. out of treatment. They're all pretty much pretty good people. You know, they're good kids. They're just, mm-hmm. they're addicts and alcoholics. They've got mm-hmm. problems. But many, many, many of them fell out and, and actually died. I knew 18 of them that just one day they're there. I'm talking to them at a meeting and the next day they're not there. Mm-hmm, and it's just, mm-hmm. these are people that were exposed to the to treatment program. They were exposed to the twelve step program, and they're still falling out. So mm-hmm, I looked mm-hmm. at I looked at this whole thing. It's it's not the responsibility of the government or the even the medical professionals or psychiatrists to figure this out. There is a certain responsibility that lies with the people that are in recovery to carry a message of hope and to be there and and to be a connection for them. That when they're all lost and lonely and don't know what to do, they can reach out to us and they can mm-hmm. just make a connection. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think, you know, John wrote the great book, um, Jason the Scream, you know, his idea that connection is the opposite of addiction. And that's right. true. At my lowest point in my life, I was 10 days on a crack cocaine run in a, in a neighborhood in Houston, Texas. Um, crawled up in the corner of this crack house and mm-hmm. I was like a little child in, in that crack house, hid, hiding in a corner, and I had no mm-hmm. one to reach out to, no one to talk to, nowhere to go, didn't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, fortunately, yeah. I was able to, the, the guy in that house, he kicked me out of the house, and I made it to a payphone, and I called my mother. And she had uh, the people from Texas Equisearch looking for me. You know, wow. The same people that looked for Natalie Holloway down in the Caribbean. They're, mm-hmm. They were in, the, the director of that place was in my mom's kitchen. And I called. Wow. He, said, wow. he says, "Where are you?" I said, "I'm down here at McDonald's." And he came down. He and all he did is he sat there and he bought me a cheeseburger and he talked. And yeah. from that talk, I was able to make it to Kerrville. Mm-hmm. You know, and it that started. But wow. you know, my story goes on and on and on and on and on. And it doesn't have to be that way for people. We were just talking today with my other guys in England um, about posting one of the things we did on our Facebook group. We have a big family support group on Facebook. And mm-hmm. one of the stories we talked, one of the questions we were asked was, does somebody really need to hit bottom before they can get help? And mm-hmm. the answer is absolutely no. That term, right. hitting bottom, doesn't even exist in the program of recovery that I read. Right. What is yeah. in there is a surrender. 
You know, and so many of these kids today, they're surrendering to the drugs, and then we ask them to surrender to an idea, a concept, and mm-hmm. it shouldn't be that difficult. And it's our responsibility to carry that message to these Thatcher from way long ago, 80-some years ago, was walking on one side of New York City, and it was cold and rainy, and he was thinking about his best friend, Bill Wilson, who was on mm-hmm. the other side of New York, and he said, you know, I think I'll just go over to see my buddy Bill and tell him what happened to me. And Ebby only had two months of sobriety at the time. Mm-hmm. And he just sat in front of Bill, and he told Bill what had happened to him, and all of a sudden, Bill Wilson sees it right in front of him and goes, oh my... When he saw it, he then could believe it, and spent years struggling trying to get away from his alcoholism. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. things changed, and, and, and here we are 80-some years later, 25 million people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, it's, this is not just a matter of let's stay sober and go on with our lives. There's a, no, you, there's a, right. We, we owe it to those who came before us to carry a message of hope and recovery to the next person in line. Right. Absolutely. And, and, and no matter what program you're part of or you're not part of a program, it doesn't matter. It's still, right. it's still about, you know, being there for other people and, and showing that you can live the best life that you could ever imagine. And that's why we never want to go back. So we could create a life that we don't want to run away from anymore, you know, and that's, right. that's, that's the goal of this all, you know, this is, this is, Really, it comes down also to which, um, you know, right after this, we're going to take a quick break just to hear from our amazing sponsors. But um, yeah, let's throw it to them. Organifi is our amazing sponsors and uh, the most delicious green juices that you'll ever try. Organifi is how I upgrade my nutrition when I'm on the road. Every single person needs to have green superfood supplements in their life because even when you're eating really healthy, your veggies lose a ton of their nutritional value just sitting on the shelf for days before you eat them. Not a lot of us have time or the means to get all natural, fresh, organic vegetables, especially when building a business, which is why I love to use Organifi green juice. It's so quick and easy and it tastes so great. Try out their green juice for 20% using the code rewired at checkout on Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. The link is posted in all of our shows. So Chris, I um, wanted just to go back to the narrative. Um, when you did start to change your life and, and all the ways, obviously it's multi, it's multi-layered when we change our lives. But I think right. one of the things that most people have to do um, is look at their narrative in their head. Why was it that you for so many decades struggled? Or why was it that, you know, I thought I wasn't worthy of something? Or where did the messages come from? And I'm a big believer in writing a, a second book on this is is the narrative uh, around um, our self-worth, what we look like, uh, oh, you know, relate. Re- I can easily describe that. <laughs> yeah. Well, relationships, you know, so, so I take my clients through a couple exercises like this, where I, where in the, like different con in the context of relationships, what did you see when you were growing up? Were they yelling in the house? Were men and women yelling at each other? What did you grow up yeah. with a grandmother? Like, what did you see? What was your message to be a man? Was it to not, you know, not feel emotion or a woman I not can, to complain? I cover that in five minutes. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. Very- so just, yeah, I just wanted to talk to you about that because it's it's such an important yeah. part of changing your yeah, I, identity. I come from I come from northern I come from Edinburgh, Scotland. Ah, uh, that's where I hear that mom, little accent. Yeah, my mom and dad weren't born weren't married, so I was literally born a bastard child. And mm. society back then really didn't appreciate that. So what eventually? But see, happened but even that mom, word you even the word you just used I've never I don't even hear that anymore. There's so many single mothers out there, you know that that yeah. that, that term in itself is somehow resonated with you. Oh, it's or got pla- planted because you just said it. Yeah. Yeah, and what what it was was that 
my real father, he was in the Royal Navy, and he probably took advantage of my mother, um, and I was born, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, but being very, very traditional Scottish people, they mm-hmm. shunned my mother. Um, and society kind of just doesn't have anything for you back then. Mm-hmm. There was a big, a big to-do with uh, the British prime minister and sex scandal, so the, even that word was just out there like, oh, it's a real bad taboo. Well, my real father quit supporting my mom when I was three. She put me, her and I got on a train. We went to London, and she ended up giving me up to a an orphanage. Uh, in fact, mm-hmm. it was a very nice one. It's called Bernardo's mm-hmm. Children's Home mm-hmm. in England, mm-hmm. and uh, I spent three years there. Uh, it was a fantastic time of my life. In fact, it might be the best time of my life. But when I wow. was six, she married an American in London, and they came and got me back from the orphanage and brought me to America. Uh-huh. But the uh-huh. idea of that abandonment when I was three, I remember yeah. my mom's heels. When she walked away from me and left me with these strangers, I remember uh-huh. it like it happened yesterday. She was wearing mm-hmm. high heels, mm-hmm. and her heels were clicking on this tile floor. And I was thinking to myself, Mommy, what did I do wrong? Right? Uh-huh. Yeah, now, sorry. I didn't, in my life, as I went along, that <sighs> that stuff not only manifested in me, but it almost it manifested in my mom. She felt so guilty and shameful for having to give me away mm-hmm. that she never, and she never addressed that issue in her life. So mm-hmm. she was always, you know, doing stuff to kind of get over that. But yeah. I became her obsession, and it became a real horrible thing as I was growing up into my teenage years. And that's what... Pretty much when I started using at 11 years old, wow! The moment 11. that I, the moment I took that drink and I smoked that joint, I became a part of something that I never had been a part of, and that was almost like a, I became part of another family unit, right? I became mm-hmm, attached mm-hmm. to these guys and these these young kids or my friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, you were attuned to them. Yeah, right. When I went back to home, where my mom and my stepdad were. It was like I didn't belong there, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it was like I felt this stuff. And I mean, they sent me to a doctor when I was 13 to get shrink, you know, to see a, a psychiatrist. And I took an I took one of the uh, MMPI tests. I think that's what's called the path, Minnesota multipathic index right. or something. Sort of, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, the main thing that came up on that was fear of abandonment. Mm, yeah, and yeah. then it just so happens that about twenty years later, I took the same test again, yeah, and the same thing occurred. Um, really, wow! But I also found out over the last three, four years that there was another symptom that the doctors have identified. And it's called reactive attachment disorder. And when I look at the symptoms and the the things that come about from that, that almost describes my life to a T. You know, mm-hmm. I attach myself to people that I really shouldn't be attaching myself to. I have relationships with, with women that I really shouldn't have relationships with. I'm trying to mm-hmm. fill something that doesn't exist in my life. And mm-hmm. then you throw in the drugs and alcohol and it just, it, you know, it's rock on all the way through that. Now, right, absolutely. I, 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 at 13 years old, was physically dependent on alcohol. Yeah. At 13. Wow. You know, and wow. I, uh, I remember... That I kind of crossed that invisible line, and I knew at 13 years old my life was never going to be the same again. It was never going to be like my friends' lives. Mm-hmm. Um, even mm-hmm. at 13, I knew that. Now it wasn't until I was 19 to where I made it into the, my first 12-step recovery meeting, and then mm-hmm. that just started me on this merry-go-round 
right. sobering up, trying to stay sober, doing what I was told, thinking I was doing okay, and then all of a sudden I go back in the real world, and it would happen mm-hmm. again and again and mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And this happens to, but this happens to to millions of people out there that that millions you know, of people, millions, millions, and millions all day long. Right. Uh, I, you know, I've worked at treatment centers for the past ten years. I I've seen it myself. Um, and you know. I really do try and encourage people to see the all the positives that do come from just trying because seeds are planted. Seeds are definitely planted. And just because you don't get it this time doesn't mean you have to fail, like you said, and go off the rails completely. You could get back up and wipe yourself off and you learn something, hopefully, and you move forward. But, you know, it's just right. it's 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 working on that narrative to, to see that like failure is not a bad thing. Failure is just an experience or, you know, in, in replacing words with other words. And I mean, there's just there's there's a lot to it all, and I just think with some guidance, it's it much easier. Yeah, there's a line in one of the books I read. It says, "Our painful past is the greatest possession we have. With it, we can avert death and misery for others." Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, and what it is is all that 31 years I had of struggling and all my childhood, the things that happened to me then. Um, mm-hmm. I'm able to convert the, those experiences. Some sitting there in front of a guy or talking to somebody on the phone or on the internet. And they're in the same situation that I've been in. I can give them some guidance, give them a little direction on yeah. how to how to how to disconnect from that pain or disconnect from that crisis and get into a solution. And yeah, cause, you know, somebody did that for me, and and that Absolutely. was very important. And and the person that did it for me was the guy that he sat down. It didn't matter whether I was in, out, or upside down. Mm-hmm. He would always be there to talk to. He mm-hmm. said, "Chris, look." He says, all I care is that you're breathing, you, you know, you got a pulse, you know, yeah. you need yeah. a cup of coffee, you know, yeah. and Mike, he was just looking at me as a human being and it just didn't want me to die and he would do what he could for me, but he never turned his back away from me because I had slipped up or had problems or things right. didn't just go the way I thought they were going to go. He was always mm-hmm. there and I want to be the mean. guy that's always there and I am always there. My phone that's is true. public, my you can call on my phone at 3.30 in the morning, and it's, I'm going to wake up and answer and see, hey, man, what's going on? Ah, oh, you know, Chris, that's, I'm a, that kind that's of guy. wonderful. That's wonderful of you, really. I mean, it is. There's, there's, uh, you know, not many people that, uh, <laughs> well, there's uh, that, not many that people are in available. the position to do that, Erica. You know, right. yeah. I drank and used up my entire life until mm-hmm. nothing was left. And mm-hmm. then what I recreated after that was something totally new. But, right. It was a it was a dedication, and it was you know I gave my addic- addiction took my entire life a hundred percent. I had mm-hmm. to give my recovery a hundred percent, right? And then Absolutely. whatever I could fill into it, I could fill into it. You know, relationships, friends, and and my my career that I've developed. I mean, I was totally unemployable. I've got multiple felonies. I've got a long history of of problems. But now yeah. I I stand on my own two feet. I'm of service to people. I can pay my bills. I can put a little bit of food in my refrigerator and I'm comfortable. But most importantly is I'm very, very happy. Yeah. To where yeah. No, I never was ever really happy, you know. Oh, yeah. To me, having that happiness inside you is part of your spirit, part of your soul. Right, um, of course. If you're, if you're not happy, then, in fact, they knew that back when they wrote that book that we read. They knew that happiness was almost a requirement of recovery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't yeah. walk around the world all grumpy and, and complaining about the, everything. Uh, well, you have to have gratitude. You, have to, uh, you know, you have to have a practice of gratitude as well. Right. I write about that. Every, you know, there's 
like yeah. every breath you take has to be a breath of gratitude. Um, yeah, and, yeah, Chris. I just wanted to ask you because I, I always, I always hold on to like a, a moment in my past where I, where I felt very hopeless, and I never want to go back to that. Um, and it, and and it, and it allows me to have a contrast. So when everything's going great, and I, you know, for whatever reason, or taking things maybe for granted for a quick second, I like go right back in my head to like, uh, uh-uh, Erica, remember when you were. You know, it was an internal bottom for me. Um, uh, you know, you don't need an external bottom, but I think most of us could right. say that we've we've gone to some internal bottom length <laughs> to to understand that that term. But yeah. I always, you know, say to myself, "Be grateful that you're not back there." So it's yeah, my you know, moment. It, that moment for yeah. me was standing in front of that judge, trying to be, plead guilty to the life sentence. Wow. Trying to, I, I, right? You know, right, right during and my he didn't let, and, and he didn't let you. And Somehow or another, all of a sudden, kaboom! Yeah. Was, well, you know, I read, it's it's I read for this blessing about that now. Uh huh. <laughs> no, it's such a wonderful, it's such a wonderful experience that that happened to you. And obviously, I, I, you know, sometimes we don't see how things unfold until they do. And now we could look back and right. see that all of this could not have been created if if you hadn't been probably given that chance. So, um, Chris, thank you for being with me today. I want to give our audience um, your website of where to find you. It's it's soberworks.com, S-O-B-E-R-W-O-R-X.com. Any other information right. you want to give everybody? Yeah, we have a, a great Facebook group. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, uh, Chris Freeman, F-R-E-E-M-A-N. Um, the Soberworks has its own business page on Facebook. We also have the Soberworks group. We've got about 60 6,300 members there, and then the Silverworks awesome. Advocate community has about 3,400 members in it. It's growing by the day. You know, we're yeah. very, very grassroots, and we're just growing. I want eventually. Uh, I'd like to get you know the Silverworks platform out into the real world, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I, I, I wish it would be a sold name. You know, when people think of what to do about their people, well, we're going to get it out there. If they're having problems, they can get it out there. Call Silverworks. Get a hold of Silverworks. Yeah. Yes, get a hold of Soberworks, and I'm I'm proud to be part of your community. I'm so I'm so glad you're with us. And uh, me too, me too. A lot of good things are happening. We're going to have a new video chat thing going on soon. Where cool. same kind of chat that the doctors and patients use. It's all encrypted and HIPAA compliant, just to where okay. people can reach out to somebody and make a connection. Yeah. That's it. That's you know? great. That's great. Well, thank you, Chris. I'm so so grateful. So happy to have you today with me. Uh, You're listening to Rewired Radio on Radio MD. I'm Erica Spiegelman. Thank you all for joining us today and stay well.